Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Core Water. Hey, welcome to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott DeHuff producing the show. This show is brought to you free of charge from me. Uh, Mark Schlereth, you guys are just bringing it to you free of charge. There you go, Mike. How about that? And, and Mike Evans, too. because And Scott, all three of us are bringing you this wonderful podcast free of charge because apparently... Nobody wants to sponsor our show. The massive financial investment that we make is staggering. Yeah, it is. It's it's 20, 30 minutes of our time, several days a week. It um, Normally, I get paid for 20 or 30 minutes of my time, um, but apparently, I'm getting paid what I'm worth, nothing. So, um, But that's good. That's good, Mike. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Can we establish a ground rule right away for today? Okay. You can if you want to. I'm not talking about Antonio Brown. Oh, the fact that he got it, they got a helmet sponsor. Yeah, not, do you think I, this whole thing? What? I don't want to talk about him. Okay, I know that, but do you think this whole thing? I'm just and gonna, now you're going to talk about. I'm going to talk about. <laughs> but do you think this whole thing was just merely to get a helmet deal? Uh yeah, wouldn't surprise me. So I'm going to miss camp. I'm going to act like a petulant child. I'm going to stomp my feet, and you know, and and uh, I'm not showing up, and I'm going to take my helmet and go home just to get. An exclusive big money contract. I wonder what he's getting paid to wear a helmet. This is after this all is, the attention he this created. Is like dumb like a fox, right? Well, I mean, think about how much. Think about that helmet company, whichever helmet company it is. I don't even know. I don't want to research it. I don't want to hit the Google button because that takes too much of my time. But um, think about the just the, how much that's going to be talked about in every broadcast. Like his whole ordeal this offseason, self-inflicted, and the fact that he finally found the helmet that works for him and that this helmet company is paying him to be a helmet. Like, they're going to, they're going to, re whatever they paid him, they will probably make that, I mean, they will make that exponentially. That opening night, how many oh Monday night shots opening of night his helmet? Of his, yeah, of his helmet. Incredible. You know? Sly like a fox. I know, I am just dumb. It just turns out I'm dumb, Mike. Like, how? who knew you could make money like that? Good for him. These receivers, man, they know what they're doing. Apparently. They know what apparently. they're doing. Hey, Andrew Luck. Oh. All right. What was your What was your reaction to everything that well, first happened? Off, Are you surprised? Well, first off, you know, we were watching the world's worst preseason game. 
right? Because it broke during the Broncos-LA Rams preseason game in which nobody that's actually on the active roster is going to be on the active roster come cutdown day. I mean, that game was that, – that game – and I blame Sean McVay. I blame Sean McVay for never playing any of his starters, basically starting a trend where the Broncos – and let's face it, the Broncos, you know, I mean – I think the top 20, 22 guys on their roster are pretty good players or good players. I think the bottom half of their roster stinks. And Sean McVay has created this where there there are two factions of of NFL teams. There's the Sean McVay, the, let's just call them the McVays, who aren't going to play anybody. And then the, the Belichickians, you know, who are going to start their starting quarterback who's 42 years old and he's going to play deep into the second quarter. Like there, there's no in-between. Like, this is the way we're doing it, or that's the way we're doing it. And the McVeighs seem to be kind of taking over, right? Like, they're they're making the preseason seem even more inconsequential and unimportant than it has ever been in the well, past. Well, who do you think is right? Because you're right. While Flacco didn't play, uh, Jerry Goff didn't play, mm-hmm. a number of quarterbacks haven't even played. Blake Bortles didn't even play. A star, you know, starters haven't right. played at Blake all. Blake Bortles is their backup. They, they, he's too valuable to play. So, what does it say that... Uh, Belichick and Brady, Reed and Mahomes, Peyton and Breeze, Tomlin and Roethlisberger, um, th- th- you know they all played. Yeah, their 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 guys played. So what does it say? Whose way I, is better? Right. Well, I I I believe to be a great football player, you have to play football. And I think this is you know part and parcel of what needs to be talked about and discussed during the next collective bargaining agreement. But here's what's happened, Mike. Like here's how smart we are as players. And I I I, I, mean, I put myself into this because right? I was part of this, right? As a player, we're idiots. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Like we negotiate not lifetime health care and and not the things that really matter matter. You know. Um, for us after we're done playing, we negotiate less practice, and I don't want to come to the the fifty million dollar facility that you that you built, right? Every NFL team has built this fifty million dollar facility. They've got cryovac machines. They've got full time chiropractors. They've got full time massage therapists. They've got like everything under the sun that you could use. Instead, what we've said is we're negotiating that off. Like we don't want to come into the facility till April. So. The whole time you're the the whole off season now you pack up your house you move to some warm weather climate whether it's Florida or Arizona or LA and you pay somebody $100,000 so that you can be in the cryovac machine or you can get a massage or you can see your chiropractor right you're paying six figures to do that over January February March up until April where they have it free of charge in this facility that they built that's absolutely gorgeous that you've locked yourself out of. Like, how, how freaking stupid. How dumb can you be? But that's who we are. So instead of negotiating good stuff, what we've done is negotiated that kind of stuff, right? And what we've created is a group of track athletes that all of a sudden have to play football, and they're not in shape to play football because all they've been doing is track workouts. Now, how does that make any sense? So, you know, the bottom line is, I and I have no scientific proof or no numbers behind this, but I feel like, Mike, I feel like there are more injuries in today's game than there ever were in my day when we actually played in the preseason because nobody's ready to play football. Now, if you just lined up and ran 40s, 
Like, we'd probably just be kicking ass and taking names. But unfortunately, that's not really what football is. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be any – there's no solution yet. There's no real clear-cut answer because Belichick's way obviously works. Right. But McVay's way Worked works. Also. They went yeah. to the Super Bowl. So yeah. I, I don't know – all I know is that what passes for even preseason football – I mean, preseason football was always brutal. What, what we're witnessing right now in some of these instances is just downright – I don't know what's worse than brutal. I mean, it's it's that bad. So they got to figure something out. They have to figure something out because we can't continue down this road if 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 this is what preseason no. football is going to be more. I, of. I think one thing that not a lot of people talk about though, Mike. You know, everybody just goes, "Hey, instantly, let's just dump it to two preseason games and let's you know let's dump it uh, and and pick up two extra regular right. season games, right? So eighteen game schedule with only two preseason games. And, and I think the thing that you have to understand before you get ready to do that. Um, and everybody's talked about you know the money, hey, extra TV money. You're gonna have to pay the players extra. Can you get ready in just two preseason games? Um, you know, will we have joint scrimmages? Will it still be four weeks, and then you know, and, and only two weeks of preseason that that type of thing. So you've got to kind of you got to weigh all that stuff out. But what you I think what you have to remember that nobody talks about is that these smaller market teams, the ownership of these smaller market teams. They make a lot of their yearly money off preseason. Like if you're a family owned oper- family owned and operated organization, like you're making a huge chunk of change, a huge part of of what you make as a family to own that team during the preseason. Because think about it, if you're paying your quarterback, let's just say, um, for the sake of argument, because it's the math, I'm going to make the math easy. Easy, you're paying your quarter. You're you're paying your. Uh, you know, you're you're paying your quarterback. Let's let's call it thirty million dollars, okay? So essentially, sixteen games. It's essentially, you know, almost two million dollars per game, right? You know what your quarterback is making during the preseason? Zip twelve hundred dollars a week. Is that what it is? Twelve hundred bucks a week. Okay, twelve hundred bucks a week. I knew it wasn't so much. You you think about this now. You've got the same gate. Yeah. You got the same ticket prices. Yep. You've got the same concession stand stuff, right? Parking. So, parking and all that stuff. So you're making all that money. You're making it all while you're paying your, your players nothing. You're not paying $2 million a week. You're paying $1,200 a week. So there's a lot of those smaller market owners that count on the preseason to essentially make their money for the year. Man, what a racket. Right, and if you're breaking even the rest of the year, that's okay because my my franchise is growing in value. But I do need some money to to maintain my lifestyle, and I'm making some of that in the preseason. At least that's how it was explained to me, and that makes sense to me. So you just, before you kick four preseason games to the curb, you got to think that there's a, there's a bunch of owners out there that are going whoa 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 whoa, and this is where I make a lot of money, and I don't want to lose. You know, I mean, I'm a I'm a billionaire because I I actually make it and I retain it. You know, so I think you have to look at that before you say, hey, let's just kick two preseason games to the curb. Uh, the big story, people talking about the, the sudden retirement of Andrew Luck. Uh, right. With the benefit of hindsight, are you are you terribly surprised or I'm surprised? Is there part of you that could sort of see this coming, can, can kind of understand why he's doing what he's doing? Well, I'm surprised I can understand it. And, and I think there's there's several pieces that, that people have missed along the way. One, I think that Andrew Luck, you know, a lot of people have asked me, do you think you'll see him come back? Do you think you'll see him return? I don't doubt that he may return at some point, but I don't think 
I don't think that's where his mindset is right now. He he said something that resonated with me. I'm at peace with my decision. At peace with it. And, and part of that peace, Mike, is that Andrew Luck, I don't believe, gets his identity from being a football player. And I think one of the things that you have to really guard against, regardless of the walk of profession that you're in, at some point you're going to be wor- you're going to meet your work mortality. So at some point you're going to be outsourced, you're going to be pink slipped, you're going to be let go, you're going to be fired, whatever the case may be. And if you get your identity in what you do for a living, when that happens to you, you're going you're gonna to struggle. You know, I look at the CTE thing, and it's always something that's pissed me off about CTE. You know, there's this there's there's this kind of equation out there that yeah, football equals CTE equals, you know, freak out, kill my family, right? I mean, that's 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 how we make it. That's the narrative that we create in the media. And I look at it like if your identity comes from being a football player and that identity is taken away from you, then what happens to you? You know, my identity is is rooted in being a husband and being a father and being a disciple of Christ and, and being a good friend. Like, that's where I get my identity. Not that I played football or not that I'm in broadcasting. Because I know that someday that'll end. And and then what? You know, where do you go from there? So I think that part for me is big. That that whole that whole I'm at peace with my decision. So I wouldn't be surprised if he came back. I wouldn't be surprised if he stays away. Here's the thing about playing injured, the way he's talking about. So I think you have to understand, I'll give you my time in Denver because I was always hurt, right? And always trying to play. I roll into the facility. I'd be the first guy in the facility meeting the trainers at 5 o'clock in the morning. So I'd be in there at 5, ready to roll. I'd do two and a half hours plus with a rehab. Then I would go study film for an hour. Then I'd start my 9 o'clock meeting, my mandatory meeting. Right, So I've been in there for four hours by the time the 9 o'clock meeting starts. So I go through the meetings, go through the walkthroughs, go through practice, get done with practice, go back to the meetings, then spend another hour in the facility, right, basically doing whatever rehab I had to do before I went home. So now I'm going home at 6 o'clock at night. I walked in at 5, right? I go home. I eat dinner with my family. And then you know what I did? I packed myself literally in ice, and I go upstairs and go to bed. I was in bed every night by 7-ish, 7.30. So essentially for six months of the year, I, I checked out of my family. I was like, hey, man, this is what I have to do to play. So... Uh, you know, dad's not going to be around. I, I'm missing out on a lot of that stuff that, you know, that essentially you've got to make that decision as a player. That that not only wears on you physically day in and day out doing that, it wears on you mentally more importantly. It beats you down. And I think the thing that has bothered me about kind of the narrative that's out there, and we've seen Steve Berline come out. You remember what, what did Steve Berline say? Something to the effect of he's letting his teammates down, right? Yeah. Yeah, so one of the things that has really bothered me about this is, you know, it's selfish. You know, he should have gone on IR or he should keep rehabbing. What about that? What about the timing of it? What about the idea that, look, we understand, everybody can understand what you've gone through. Everybody Mm -hmm. can understand that you're dealing with something new now, and it's got to be wearing on you, physically and mentally. But we're a couple of weeks away from the season. The team did make all their plans for this year based around the idea that you're going to be the quarterback. Why why can't you at least you're 29 years old. Right. If you're if you're determined to walk away, give it a couple more months. 
go on IR, come back if you're mm. feeling up to it week eight, give it a shot, and hey, if it doesn't work out, no harm, no foul. Right. You tried, and now you walk away from football. You're 29, 30 years old, and now you go on and do what you're going to do. But at least everybody mm. knows that you, yeah. you, 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 you tried to be there for your team. Here's the thing. I think he is being there for his team. I think this decision is the most unselfish decision that you can make. And the reason I think that, Mike, is because you walk away. First off, you have talked about the support. You've talked about the support of Jacoby Brissett. And he talked about, hey, when Jacoby Brissett was in my spot, I looked at him and was like mad or angry. Like, that's my spot. You know, blah, blah, blah. And Jacoby's done nothing but support him, been there for him. So to me, this is the most unselfish thing you can do by saying, hey, listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have the specter of me returning hanging over this franchise. I'm letting this franchise actually move on and say, hey, this is what we are, this is what we have. Frank Reich, their head coach, came out and said, hey, Jacoby Brissett, man, we saw this coming in. I watched every piece of film on him. He's a top 20 quarterback in the league as we stand right now. And he's only going to get better, right? Like, you've removed that specter of you hanging over this franchise. Like, what if we're four and three or three and four, and all of a sudden our bye week's going to be over, and, and you know, and, and IR is up, and here comes Andrew Luck storming through the gates, right? You don't have to worry about all that stuff. You don't have to worry about the speculation. You know what? If you're Jacoby Brissett, you don't have to answer those questions. Like, I think it's one of the most unselfish things he could have done to say instead of hanging over this franchise and going on IR, I'm walking away right now to get myself right. So I think that's incredibly unselfish. Now, let me tell you how my career ended. So, because I think it's poignant. I hurt my knee on the very first day of training camp my last year. Rehab for, you know, a week or so. It wasn't getting any better. I went and had surgery. They removed a bone spur in my knee that was literally the size of my thumb right here. That's how big it was. Yeah. Just a chunk. It left a big hole where that bone spur was in the, the lining of my joint, in the articular surface of my joint. I rehab for a couple of weeks, come back and play in the, I think, the fourth preseason game. Play really well and felt really, felt pretty good, right? So I'm like, bam, this is awesome. So play the first game. First game is in St. Louis against the Rams. And um, play exceptionally well through the game. We end up losing like 41-38 or something. But I played really well. And they wanted to rotate me with a younger player because of my quote-unquote injury issue. And I was like, you can save that. I'm the starter. Like, you want to start him, start him. But I ain't rotating with anybody. Um, and part of it was because if I go sit on the bench for you know a series or two, I'm not going to be any good anymore, right? It wasn't all selfish. Some of it was. But I'm like, that guy can't hold my jock, so I'm not going to – that's not what I do. Well, anyhow, hindsight being 2020, I ended up in the very last series of the game putting my knee in the turf. It was a turf game. I was playing against DeMarco Farr, hit that spot, and instantly – I mean, almost wet my pants. It was like instant tears to my eyes, you know. And I go back to the huddle and, and get through the end of that series, whatever, you know. And I'm like, oh, shoot, man, that's that's not good. So I ice down, I do all that stuff. Um, next day I wake up and I'm like, oh, my knee is not as swollen. I thought it would be a lot more swollen, right? I was like, huh, maybe I'm okay. So I go in, do my rehab, do on the week. I get my stance on a Wednesday. 
I hit that spot, and I almost my leg almost buckles. I'm like, oh gosh, this isn't good. But I fight through practice. The next day I feel a little bit better. The next day I feel a little bit better. I go out the, that weekend. I play. I can't remember who we played, but I just am whipping ass. And every week it gets a little bit worse. Wednesday's a little bit worse. Thursday's a little bit worse. But I keep getting to Sunday and feel pretty. I feel okay, right? So I get through like the first three or four games of the season, man. And I am like, this is my 12th year. And even though I've had all these surgeries and all these issues, I'm like, shit, I'm still really good. Like I'm going to sign another I'm going to sign another three-year deal. I'm going to keep playing. I'll play till 15 years. And then it was like almost overnight, man. It got my knee got so bad, Mike, so bad that I like I, I I got to the point where I was so bad in games because every time I would hit that spot, like my leg would collapse. There's this pain response, and I'd be blocking a guy, I'd be into a guy, and the next thing I know, he's hitting my quarterback. Right? I mean, I almost sent a guy from Cleveland to the Pro Bowl. That guy could, I mean, that guy maybe played a year or two in the league. I I think I gave up three hits or three, I mean, I gave up like three sacks or something. It was awful, right? So then I have another surgery after that Cleveland game. I have another surgery to try to fix it. And now it's like November, late October or something. And we're getting ready to play a Monday night game against the Raiders. And we're at practice. I get this, I get 110 cc's of fluid drained out of my knee. I, I, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get through it. Right. And, um, we get, we get out at practice and, and we had these sweatshirts we used to pull over like as jerseys, you know, they had our numbers and stuff, but sometimes you need know, the films far enough away and it was kind of a snowy day and you couldn't, you just couldn't make out the numbers and we're watching practice and I'm only taking two or three reps in, in you know, maybe two reps per period, right? Just to see if I can move and if I can play. And I'm watching this guy that I think is backing me up. And I thought, oh my gosh, who is that? And I thought it was one of our practice squad guys that were giving some reps to. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy can't even move. Like he's awful. Like he is awful. And I go, wait a minute. And I kind of, cause I, I had glass. I, you know, but I didn't have my glasses, so I'm kind of squinting at the screen. You know, I don't see really well. I'm squinting, I'm squinting. I'm like, oh, my God, that's me. Like, that's me. And for me, it was it was a gut-wrenching, just a heartbreaking realization that I'm more of a hindrance to this football team than I am a help. And you know how hard that is? Ugh. When when you have always, regardless of my injuries, I was always a benefit to my football team. Yeah, you could play through it. Yeah, I could play. You still play at a high level, right? And it just the the realization that I'm more of a hindrance than a help. It broke my heart, man. I was just sick. And Andrew Luck, right now, is starting to he's he's at the realization right now. Like I'm not helping this football team. Like, my injuries are such that, you know, everybody's waiting, everybody's waiting, everybody's waiting, like, I'm going to come through this miracle process, and I'm so beat up. I mean, this guy's torn his rib cartilage, uh, ripped his abdominal, tore, lacerated his kidneys, you know, had the torn labrum in his shoulder. Now it's now it's a leg-calf injury. I, I will tell you the other part of this, and I don't know anything about their medical staff, Mike, but I know who, I know who, who the doctors work for, right? It's like uh, it's l- like a fat bastard, you know. Who does number two work for? Was it fat bastard that did that? No, no. who was it, Scott? It was Austin Powers. Austin but... Powers, yeah. 
Yeah. Who does number two work? Well, anyhow. But you don't make the, the reference is still good. <laughs> the reference is solid. Right. right. So I know who the <laughs> like doctors work for. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing like a good number two. So I know who the doctors work for. And even though I love the doctors who worked on me, Mike, you know, ultimately it's it's the organizations that are that are paying those bills. Do you know, and this is no lie, I have seen not once but twice guys who were told they had groin injuries, that had MRIs on those groin injuries, that nothing was wrong, it was just a groin strain, that fought through the whole season and played at a subpar level because they had groin strains, that upon further review after the checkout physical, so you take a checkout physical at the end of the season, right? And there's always this line of like 14 guys that need surgery, right, that have been playing through things. And you go to the hospital, and you check in, it, you stagger. So one guy gets there at 5, the next guy gets there at 5.30, and then 6, then 6.30, and then 7. And we're all in this surgery center, and you're lined up on beds. And there's like literally there's 14 guys in there, like... It, it it's like it's something just an out of an assembly line of surgeries. Yes, and it's like a, next. It, yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's like a it's like a cartoon where you know there. It's yeah, like the yeah. Wiley Coyote yeah, thing, yeah, like Morning yeah. Ed, Morning Sam. You know, <laughs> I mean, and and you're just going one surgery after the next, after the next, after the next. I have seen not once but twice guys that were diagnosed with groin injuries who fought it, who kept saying something else is wrong. This can't be just a groin. Something going on. No, nope, just a groin injury. You're fine. We had the MRI. Upon further review in the checkout physical, hey, we looked at that MRI again that we took in November or October. Turns out we missed something. You actually have a hernia. I've seen that twice happen. Two times. So you tell me who the doctors work for. Does, does that, uh, one of the elements of this whole Andrew Luck story, does it does it bother you how fans and, and media ties, but really just the, the, you know, the casual football fan who did not play the game at that, that kind of level, are so casual? When it comes to how we think you guys deal with the physical and the emotional pain. And that we're like, hey, come on. You know, it's it's rehab. It's right. not the worst thing. It's rehab. Go yeah. pack yourself in some ice, you know. Get back out there. It's like we don't, you know, you've, over these last 10 minutes or so, you've really, you know, I think taken us behind the curtain as to what you guys deal with. And you know, I think it's perfect for the conversation because you you've believed for some time that Rob Gronkowski will come back, right? But I wonder if you change your mind when you hear what he said earlier today. He was at a an event uh, talking about players. He's being he's going to become an advocate for players being allowed to use CBD products for pain relief. Sure. And he talked about what ultimately went into his decision to retire, and he said, "quote." This is coming after the last Super Bowl. They just won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He made the biggest play of the Super Bowl, arguably, with that catch right. to set up the touchdown run. He said, quote, I got done with the game and I could barely walk. I slept five minutes that night. I couldn't even think. I was in tears in my bed after a Super Bowl victory. It didn't make that much sense to me. And then for four weeks, I couldn't even sleep for more than 20 minutes a night. I was like, damn, this sucks. It didn't feel good. So, you know, do you should we should we as fans? I mean, you had people who were pissed off at Andrew Luck because, damn it, I just drafted you for my fantasy team. Right. Yeah. You know, I, should should we as fans should we feel maybe a little bit embarrassed and ashamed that we don't cut these guys more slack as to what they're going through? 
and why we're not more, maybe yeah. more understanding that hey, listen, Gronkowski, don't you know? I, I'm listen, not mad at you. Yeah. And for those yahoos in Indy that were booing Andrew Luck, shame on you, right? If this guy's going through the kind of some of the yeah. things that you just detailed or Gronkowski detailed, then then shame on all of us for for questioning this guy. Yeah, I think oftentimes, you know, the more money you make, and the money is ridiculous in today's game. Um, the more money you make, the less human you become in the eyes of the fans. And I, I think that's a sad reality, is that ultimately guys still are human. Guys still have feelings. Guys, you know, guys still, you know, suffer through these things. And, and like I said, there's nothing more painful than understanding that you're not helping your team, that you're actually more of a hindrance than you are a help. That, that's the most painful thing you can go through. And that just wears you out. Um, so, you know, all those things, all those things are true, you know, and, and it's just a, you know, it's a tough sport and I get, I get that we're paid handsomely to play it. I I get that part of it, but, um, you know, there's a lot of things that you have to, there's a lot of things that you have to put up with and you've got to understand that, you know, that the money, the money is, you're not ever one time, I, I don't. I don't think anybody in the history of the game is in the middle of a uh, of a critical play. It's a third down and twelve, and you got to make a play to extend a drive and keep your chances of winning alive. Are are sitting there going, yeah, but I'm making four million dollars, so I'm good. They, they don't players don't think that way. They think about going out and laying it on the line, and you know. And for me, it was always one of those things that like anybody could play. Like if if it was easy, my critics would do it. And any could anybody can play healthy. Like I can still go out and dominate when I'm hurt, and that was a badge of honor for me. And that was a game within the side of the game for me. But I played. You know, I'm the worst athlete on the football team, so you know I could make up for a lack of physical ability with being smart and never put myself in a position of trouble. Understanding where my help is at all times, how I can manipulate my help, how I can funnel guys into my help, and all that stuff. When you lose your athletic athletic ability and you're you're playing a a a position that that is, you know, you're playing a position that's dependent upon your athletic ability. You know, all of a sudden you can't create rotational force anymore because you can't plant your foot in the ground, and now you don't have the velocity on the football that you need on the football to make a throw across the field. Like, you know, you're like, oh shoot, like I, I'm not what I, you know. You always have to look at your injury issues and say, okay, I can still play the game at a really high level, even though I'm only eighty percent of what I used to be. So now my new hundred percent is eighty percent of what it used to be. But when it starts getting sixty and and fifty, and like, like these are the best of the best in the world. And you can't produce at the level you want to produce at that you're accustomed to when you have those kind of injuries. And so it's a it's a frustrating deal, Mike. But going back to Luck and Gronkowski, they're both 29. And at some point, enough time will sure. pass where they're going to feel good. Even Gronkowski said today, he goes, physically, I could play right now. Sure. But added, he's not there mentally. But there'll come a time... Probably in the not too distant future, where yeah. they're both like, "Hmm, I feel good." Middle of October, you know, I feel good. Unretire. I mean, do you? The Pats still have your rights. What do you? What would you predict right now when it comes to Andrew Luck and Rob Gronkowski? Have we seen the last of them? I would. I would. My prediction would be: I think we'll see them both back in the league at some point in the for. For Gronkowski, I wouldn't be surprised if it's this year at some point. 
For Andrew, I wouldn't be surprised if it's next year. Next year, 2020, 2021, somewhere yeah. in there. That wouldn't that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. But also, like I said, I think Gronkowski has enough going on outside of of what he what he's done as a player. And I think Andrew Luck, of course, will have enough to to you know hopefully to satisfy that itch, if you will. Um, and you know, I mean, it's it's hard when you love something the way you have to love it to play when it essentially gets taken away from you because you can no longer physically perform. That that's a hard that's a hard reality that you have to deal with. That Gronkowski line is. I mean, you can you buy that? Do you believe that that can happen? I mean, everyone else, everyone listening is like, wait a minute. You just won a Super Bowl. You're on top of the world. Right. You're basking in the glory of what you just did. Right. And that night you're in tears because you're in so much pain. Can well, you? that that night, I think you got five minutes of sleep because you were probably woo 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 tip the bottle of it, right? Uh, that's part of it. But yeah, you I mean you have you have a lot of pain. And you know, a lot of times you're going Hey man, I can't even enjoy this because I got to go have you know I'm 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 prepping for surgery. I'm prepping for whatever I, the the to you know to start the next process. You know to start the rehab and to to get myself to get myself just right enough to where I can play again. Yeah, I I mean I understand that. Um, so you know, well, I, have, then I hope we all I have empathy for the I, I have I have great empathy for how hard this game is and how much guys put themselves through. Even guys that don't miss time, like you know, Brett Favre never missed a start. Man, you act like he wasn't injured. Right. Man, he was beat to a pulp. Right. There's times when he drug himself. There there I played a game against the Raiders. I literally played a game, it was the last game of the season, where I was I mean, I was literally on crutches on Saturday. My knee was so messed up. I had surgery. I had surgery the the day after that. Mo- that Monday, I was on that operating table line. You know, and you guys sign up for this, and you know, yeah, it. sure. But even though you sign up for this, even though you are handsomely compensated for it, I, uh-huh. I would I would hope that for everybody listening, that there there is maybe a newfound empathy for what you guys do. To be able to go out and play for us on Sunday, yeah, because it's 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 pretty amazing right. the, the the kind of stuff that you guys do and put up with and how you feel the, and what how we would react to that if we were going through that, right? You know, yeah. I mean, we'd be crawled up in a fetal position, you know, asking for our mummies. And think about think about what you're asked to do as as a player, you know. You're asked to go out. I mean, I've had multiple surgeries where, you know, I had a surgery on Monday and I played on Sunday. You know, elbow, knee, whatever the case may be. Um, had uh, I had a surgery on a Sunday night to remove a bunch of kidney stones. Sunday night, checked myself out of the hospital the next morning, went to pregame and started against the Raiders. I mean, like there's no doctor in America that would allow their own child to do that. Like, you're freaking crazy. Are you kidding me? There's no way. And yet we're cleared to do it all the time. Oh, yeah, you'll be, hey. You know how many times I've heard, you can't do any further damage to it. Like, you know how many times I've heard that? Which is bullshit, right? You're creating degenerative and arthritic changes that will never heal. You're you're creating those for life. Oh, yeah, you can't do any further damage to it. That's baloney. But you're, 
you that's what you do and and you're right you sign up for it but just understand that every guy on a football field that you see play on Sunday has something that's going on right now that's really bothering him right he's got an ankle he's got a toe he's got a finger he's got an elbow he's got a knee he's got a back he's got a neck he's got something a shoulder something that's killing him hell we used to line up man we'd go we'd go over to Friday after practice run over to the doctor's office. There'd be a line out the door for Toradol shots. Like, hey, line on up. Everybody come in and get your Toradol shot so you can play on Sunday. Just the way it used to be, man. So, anyhow, make sure that uh, you have a little bit of empathy yeah. for what guys put themselves through to entertain you. Yeah, they're they're paid handsomely, but, yeah, they do pay for the rest of their lives, too. Yeah. Yeah, in case you want to call Andrew Luck soft. Yeah. You tough son of a bitch, man. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, uh, that'll do it. For everybody involved in the Stinking Truth podcast, for Mike, myself, for Scott the Huff, we thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back with you later in the week.